0: L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.
2: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite.
3: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. This episode of Inside Fashion is brought to you by Shopify Plus. From the first sketch to the retail floor, you need a commerce platform to help you scale at the speed of your ideas. That's why the world's fastest growing brands like Steve Madden, Chubbies, Le Sportsac and Gymshark rely on Shopify Plus to sell to their customers around the world. You'll be able to go wherever your customers are, from New York to Milan to Instagram. And they'll make sure you look brilliant in every size, from pop-up shop to mobile. Join over 5,000 brands on Shopify Plus at shopify.com forward slash BOF.
4: People wanted to be the Sabyasachi bride i had already decided that whenever I get married, he was definitely one of the designers that I wanted to work with. I was like,
5: no way could I keep this a secret. So I said, okay, fine. We have to find a name. We have to find a name. Most people in my factory thought it was Naomi Campbell getting married to an Indian prince.
6: Do you think there will be a time where gay couples can get married with the same kind of celebration as straight couples?
5: I don't think we should be even waiting for the time. The time is now. Uh, Not letting people come together legally is a violation of human rights.
6: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF Podcast. This week, we touched down in Bombay, also known as Mumbai, India's largest and most cosmopolitan city, and also an important center for fashion and entertainment. I sat down with the designer, Sabya Sachi Mukherjee, and with India's biggest movie star, Deepika Padukone, and we talked all about the big fat Indian wedding. Now, the wedding industry in India is said to be worth more than $50 billion a year. So this is big business. But weddings in India are also very important because they are seen as the union of two families. And they speak to the most important cultural traditions in India. We also spoke about same-sex marriage and other social issues in India. It made for a very interesting conversation, which I am pleased to share with you today. So here are Sabyasachi Mukherjee and Deepika Padukone inside fashion. So there's so many things I want to cover today, um, but I have to start with the wedding.
2: Okay.
6: And um, there are so many curious minds about the Indian wedding, both here in India and as I mentioned, the idea of the Indian wedding kind of went global in the last 12 months with all of these big prominent weddings. So just to begin with, Dipika, I wanted to understand, you know, last year you got married to Ranveer and um, as a recent Indian bride. I was hoping you could explain to everyone, you know, what is the significance of the Indian wedding here in India? Why is it such a big deal?
4: I, I think there are various reasons why, at least from a bride's point of view, it's, um, it's always that sort of moment in your life that you look forward to. So I'm not sure if it's a girl thing or if it's, uh, or if it's an Indian thing, but it's definitely a thing, at least from my point of view, that you know your wedding is sort of you know that that one big day when you that you look forward to in your life and you also want to look your best um, Why is it important? I think also because it it sort of takes you into the next phase of your life, you know I think from your. You know, from the time you're born till about whatever 20, 30, whenever you get married, I feel like that's that's one stage of your life. And when you get married to somebody, that's you're you're entering into a different phase and and a very and sort of unknown territory. You don't know while you know the person, um, the coming together of two very uh, you know distinct and different individuals coming together and what that life together is going to be like. I think is always. It's exciting, it's intimidating, um, and it's a new chapter in your life. Right. And, um, And then, of course, with Indian culture, it's not just about the two people coming together, but the families coming together as well. And at least for me and in the way that the two of us have been brought up, that for us was an equally important part of the two of us coming together. Uh, because we're both, we've been brought up in a way where family is extremely important. It's it, it's, it's a part of our core. It's, it's, a, it's a part of who we are. And the families, uh, you know, being on the same page, understanding each other culturally, uh, or in the way that we've been brought up, family values, all of those things were, uh, were very, very important to us. Um, so while on the outside, we look like two completely different people at the core of it, we're actually exactly the same. Um, And so I think that's what it is. And I feel like, you know, I'm always, I I also moved out of home at a very young age. Um, I played professional badminton when, you know, all through my schooling years until I was 16. And then I moved to Mumbai uh, to to pursue my career in, in modeling and then in acting. So I led a large part of my growing up years alone. And so I think the, the, the want to uh, be with somebody, to come home to somebody, and to have a family, I think for me was, was very, very important. This is my perspective, okay. and that, that's my point of view. Okay,
6: so Sabia, you have literally worked with thousands, if not tens of thousands of brides, and Deepika has very nicely articulated the importance of the wedding in India, the, the union of two individuals the union of two families, but that is also a big business here. You know, and you know, the, the first time I really got exposed to this I went to some couture shows, you know, bridal couture shows in Delhi, and the market estimates were that the, the wedding business in India is worth more than 40 billion dollars a year. And when I explain that to people outside India, they're, you know, it boggles the mind. So can you explain to us a little bit about What constitutes that huge sum of money? Like, why are people spending, so, you know, everyone, you know, everyone from all parts of society here, they spend a lot of money on weddings. Why is that?
5: Simran, uh, we're a very emotional country and we like all sorts of celebration festivals. And as far as, you know, when Mark Zuckerberg decided to uh, uh, discover Facebook, I think it it was definitely in his mind that human psyche uh, relied on two very different things one was uh, voyeurism and the other was exhibitionism you know if i keep aside sentiment if i keep aside religion if i keep aside uh, our value systems i think what's happened with uh, the uh, with weddings in india is it's become a premise for both voyeurism and exhibitionism and uh, i think also, if you look, if you look at most weddings in India, they, they are kind of uh, you know they are kind of used to establish social and financial hierarchy, and also at the same time, uh, uh, you know like other other people have like other countries have a lot of uh, lot of events where people can wear couture clothing, like you know they, they have things like met gala, they have opera. In India, unfortunately, you know most of the couture consumption is only the five or six days of weddings. I know many families who actually, uh, you know, they shop for their clothing first, and then they realize that they've fallen short of uh, events, and they create events to wear their clothes.
6: (laughs) (laughs) So, but it's not just about the clothing, right? You've recently moved into the jewelry space, it's, you know, it's the event, it's flying the guests down, it's the jewelry, it's the whole celebration, you know, what are the other elements that constitute? Yeah, you were going to say, Deepika.
4: That's Sabya being OCD. Right. He got into the jewelry business not to make money. He got into the jewelry business because he sees his outfit. And then there was a time when it was his outfit and some random jewelry. And I think he couldn't <laughs> stand the fact that the bride was wearing his clothes with jewelry that didn't match his sensibility. And so he was like, I might as well just give them the jewelry also. So how do you, how do you react that to story. that, Sabia?
5: No, You know, I, I remember Bandana Tiwari, she was at Vogue at that point of time. And you know, I had this big debacle with Vidya Balan at Khan yeah. And uh, you know, sadly, I was treated as a national terrorist overnight. <laughs> and so, so I, I went to her and I said, you know, there's only that much that we can control because of the fact that there are stylists and then things happen, shit happens. And she said, no, shit doesn't happen. Because when you're giving an outfit to somebody, you're responsible for the image. And you have to own up to that responsibility. And I said, well done. You know, it stayed in my head. And I decided that, you know, slowly and slowly and slowly, I will start controlling the entire image. So, you know, after jewelry, probably we'll get into beauty. We'll get to other things. And like, for instance, uh, you know, when we do clothing now, our, uh, like, you know, the design philosophy is Instagram first. Because girls, when they come into our stores, you know, they look at pictures on our iPads. They ask us to uh, click them in five different lengas. And if they're having a a wedding, which is a destination wedding, they go outside, get themselves clicked on on sunlight. And for many of them, their choices of clothing depends on how beautiful the pictures are uh, looking. So, you know, it's almost, you know, fashion has almost become like costume design. For many people, actually, which is one of the reasons suddenly there's this sudden increase in monotones. You know, prints are getting bolder. There's a big influx of 80s because anything that is bright, big, bold bold and beautiful rather than intricate is going to... uh, take better, uh, shoot better pictures. You know, for everybody, this entire notion of exhibi- exhibitionism has become so strong. You know, the entire world is now divided into voyeurs and exhibitionists. And I think the entire fashion principle, the wedding principle, is all, all kind of based on that. Okay. So let's get into a little bit of the detail
6: here. Because last year you got married. Um, and I, I just wanted to understand. So how, first of all, did, did the two of you come together to plan and execute this incredible series of events that you did, Deepika? You know, wh- wh- what, was, what, was the, what was the, how did you first decide that, you know, Sabya was going to be one of the chosen ones, as it were?
4: I always knew, I always knew 10 years ago when I was a model, I, I so this is even before he became, like, uh, people wanted to be the Sabya bride. You know, a, a large part of my exposure to his work was back then, more than 10 years ago, actually. And that's when I'd already decided that whenever I get married, he was definitely one of the designers that I wanted to work with. Um, of course, then it's a different thing that for almost every function of mine, I wore his clothes. Um, but, so I was, I, I've always been very clear about that. Um, then comes sort of actually picking up the phone and telling him that I'm getting married so it was my parents obviously we decided the date and the very first person i called and i was ready to tell was him so my stylist didn't know uh friends didn't know nobody knew so other than the immediate family he was the first person i told and he knew that you know for for quite a few months uh before we actually let other people in sort of start working on the on the wedding and um i think you know, we were both very, very clear that I wanted it to be very traditional, very, very traditional. And, and I think also because we wanted to, there's a certain look that people associate with him, um, but we also kind of moved away from that. It, it was about bringing in his sensibility and his aesthetic, but keeping in mind the part of the country where I come from as well, uh, and that's why we had two separate ceremonies. We had the Anankarat ceremony to uh, to sort of welcome and embrace the culture that Ranveer belongs to. And I'm a South Indian, and I was very, very clear that I wanted to do a Kanjivaram sari. And, you know, so that's how we sort of worked on, you know, getting these two looks very, very different. And I think even just the way he went about sourcing and, and, and uh, you know, researching and... Um, if i'm not mistaken there were pieces of like antique fabric and like stuff that you'd probably not find uh you know in a in a regular market is is i mean that's the kind of sort of detail yes it's a different thing now that people are copying that and we knew that would happen but um you know it's it's it was very very intricate it was something that you know there was a lot of detail and something that i i was also very clear that i wanted the family of red on both the days. That you, I mean, I think we all know that in Indian weddings, red is sort of a very, very significant color for, uh, for the bride. And we did sort of um, contemplate doing, you know, maybe two different colors on both th- uh, the days. But I think as we got closer, I was very, very clear about wanting red on, you know, both the ceremonies uh, that we had.
6: Mm-hmm. And Sabya from your side, when you get that call from Deepika Padukone, you know, what, what's your reaction and how do you go and respond to working with a, a bride like this who clearly is very demanding and has a very clear vision of what she wants but also you want to put your own stamp on it and you're thinking of that image, right? That image that's going to be beamed all around the world.
5: Well, when Deepika called and it's not because of her, the first thing that flashed into my head was Nightmare on Elm Street, part five. <laughs> I was like, Oh, my God, because you see, I did Anushka's wedding before that. And these weddings, you have to be, you know, we, we keep, we do a lot of celebrity weddings. But, you know, in India, when you're doing the wedding of a movie star, you know, then you are very worried the secrets will go out. And I was like, you know, when we did Anushka's wedding, there was a month that we had with Deepika's, the there were six. And Everybody was speculating. I mean, she and Ranveer must have got married in the press about 50 times before she was actually married. Every time there was a new date that came in and I used to text her, I said, you know what? Is this true? true? I promise you that nothing's going out from my factory. She said, don't worry, this is just the press. And you know, the first thing that I told myself that I need a code word because of the fact that I was traveling all the time and to keep a secret for six months, because you see, when we do a bridal outfit, there are a lot of people that work. You know, there's a pattern making team, there's an embroidery team, there's a pattern cutting team, there's a dyeing team, there's a sourcing team, there's a textile team, there's the jewelry team. I was like, no way could I keep this a secret. So I said, okay, fine, we have to find a name, we have to find a name. And for some, you know, I'm I'm quite a smart guy, but you know, th- at that point of time, I got really stupid. And the first name that came out of my mouth was Naomi Campbell. I said, Naomi's getting married, she's getting married to an Indian guy. <laughs> because, I, you know, I was thinking of, that, you know, when the measurements come, you know, who else is going to be 5 feet 11 inches tall? <laughs> and, so, and I remember my assistants looking at me and saying, really? Uh, and I said, you know, and I don't know why I blurted that So you that kept up, it a secret from your team as well. From everybody. And uh, a few people uh, from the Mumbai store, because that's where Dipika used to come secretly for her measurements. And I was terrified that there would be some press oh, hanging ran somewhere. over
4: there looking outside. <laughs>
5: No, we were terrified, and I, I kept telling Deepika that come in a burqa. And Deepika said, if I come in a burqa, that's when I will get spotted. Right. And we'll, anyway, she'll tell you about the Italian paparazzi later, how she cheated them. And uh, so Sabina from our Mumbai store and a few more people who was helping her with measurements and everybody knew. But most people in my factory, because there are 1,800 people at work there, thought it was Naomi Campbell getting married to an Indian prince.
6: Well, that is an interesting tidbit that I don't think anybody knew. Um, so Deepika, from your perspective...
4: I've never spoken so much about the wedding. <laughs> I know.
6: Well, that's why we're here, trust me. Um, you know, further to Subya's point, you know, keeping this a secret and, you know, maintaining privacy around what is a, you know, you know, it's a personal moment, but you also know it's going to become this big thing. Like how do you, how did, A, how did you keep it a secret on your side? And then B, how did you decide what you wanted ultimately to share?
4: Okay so the first part the the not wanting to share was not about not wanting to share but about want uh, but about the the need to sort of move around freely because there's so much and I almost sing, single-handedly did the entire wedding uh, Ranveer was busy he said if we wanted to get married last year um, you know he was doing three or four films back to back uh, fortunately he made you know he he managed to take the time out for that but he had literally no time before and after. So it kind of, yes, I had the support of my father-in-law and my mother, but, uh, you know, and there was a, uh, uh, Ranvih's grandmother was unwell, so his parents were busy with that. So there was just a lot, like, so going... So you there basically was lot, managed the orchestrated whole, thing. The whole yeah. thing. And then, um, so it was about just trying to get things done, and I felt like, and we we... We, we were not planning to keep it a secret and then suddenly sort of put a picture out and then say, hey, we're married. We were very clear that we were going to make an announcement before the wedding happened, but only in a time when we felt like we had things under control. Otherwise, it's like going to jewelers or you know picking up shoes or just basic stuff because it's not just about me, but there's so, there were so many other people involved, our family, sisters, fathers. I mean, there was just so much to be done on the wedding front. Um, So it was about being able to move around freely, which we did manage to do actually. Um, And sure of course there was a lot of speculation in fact much closer to the wedding but and then once we felt like okay everything was under control and and most of the things had been done is when we then sort of put out um, an announcement. Um, What was the other question?
6: Well it was about keeping it a secret but it was also like how you kind of managed everything and it sounds like You took a lot of time. You must have taken time off work.
4: I had anyway taken time off work because I think the last year was important for me to just sort of replenish uh, emotionally um, and just do the things that I wanted to do, things that made me and my soul happy and not sort of be on a schedule and constantly be available to other people. I just wanted to do things that I wanted to do. Um, So I, I had taken that year off professionally anyway and And then we decided to also do the wedding. So it kind of it's not like I took the time off to get married if that makes any sense. And also creatively, nothing was exciting and it just didn't make sense to be on a film set if I wasn't going to be happy making the movies that you know that that I was being offered. So it kind of just fell into place. Also, I'm an extremely um, I'm a perfectionist, you know I like I like to do things a certain way, and that time, the six months or the eight months that we had allowed me to sort of get into every single, I'm
6: glad you said that, because at one point, Sabya, you said, she scares me. (laughs) Deepika scares me, because of the fact that I think she is so organized that, you know, I pride myself in being organized, but she is so meticulous, so organized, and so composed about everything that she makes me look like a rookie. (gasps) What was it like on your side, you know, working and organizing everything?
5: You know, honestly, it was wonderful, because sometimes the most painful thing that can happen to a designer and why you get bridezilla moments is because the brides don't know what they want sometimes they don't even know why they're getting married and who they're getting married to and yeah and dipika knew everything she knew who she was getting married to why she was getting married she knew the color of her outfit she knew what jewelry she wanted to wear the flowers she knew the Idli and the uh, South Indian coffee that would be served to guests when they uh, woke up every morning. By the way, they flew down all their caterers from South India. She knew the venue. She knew the color palette. She knew exactly what the guests would wear. I was given a mood board. (laughs) That was you. No, no, but I created one. So, uh, and at the same time, she was very, very... uh, Oh, by the way, I also have to tell you, I'm a foodie because I'm a Bengali, I can't help it. I love food. I've never had the kind of food that was served in Deepika's wedding ever, anywhere. I mean, I don't know, if she even went for, mul- Ranvi told me that she went for multiple food tastings. Twelve. 12 and she, the food was just right. It, it wasn't too less, it wasn't too much, it was just very well curated. Sure. The venue was perfect. You know, it, and at the same time, it was such a big wedding. In, in its stature but you know if you look at the physical wedding it was very small very intimate very cultured and they all had people around them that mattered to them that was a part of their immediate family and I think that's how weddings should be Hey Dave Yeah Randy Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy Wait what? I got it Bombus
3: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go
0: to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty
1: experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention
0: you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks.
1: Plus it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Chirot Costa 68 fragrance.
0: Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejaneiro.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S O L D E J A N E I R O.soldejaneiro.com Sol and use the code ACAST10
2: for 10% off. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store, but did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bof, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com bof to take your retail business to the next level today. shopify.com bof.
3: This message comes from bof sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
6: Okay. So, you know, in, in the West, you know, we've recently had these huge weddings, right? We, you know, we had uh, Meghan Markle's wedding and she was dressed by Givenchy. And we had Kate Middleton's dress, uh, wedding and she was dressed by McQueen. And we even had Chiara Ferragni, this big Italian blogger who was dressed by Dior, and the impact on their business was huge. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, so after these pictures go out all over the world, what happens, you know, and what happens to your business? Is there an instant reaction? Are people asking for the Deepika look? Like,
5: what happens? I think, you know, what happened, what the the good thing was that, you know, when me and Deepika uh, kind of, worked on the wedding outfit together she was very i was very relieved that she wanted to wear something very traditional and i knew that the impact that this wedding would happen uh, have, have on the economy because uh, you know her wedding look was very culturally and socially accessible like you know a lot of girls could go with that tear sheet of her wedding outfit and go to uh, go to multiple stores across the country where they would buy a counterfeit outfit. But which also meant, because the uh, outfits were entirely handcrafted, we had gota, kirna, zardozi, which you know, uh, You know, when I was talking to Deepika about the wedding, much before the wedding actually happened, I said, you know, the what I'm most excited about the fact that your wedding is going to create so many jobs at craft level for so many people. And I don't know how many are so, uh, we sold, but I know that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of replicas being sold every day, even as we speak from from the north to the west, to the east, to the south. And, I, and, and the fact that, you know, this wedding, probably in some small way or big way, helped us align jobs back to our craftsmen was, I think, was probably something that me and Deepika could do a high-five on.
6: Mm. Uh, before we move on to my next topic, I also wanted to talk about weddings in light of social progress. So I'm not sure if you heard, but um, in Taiwan this week, uh, Taiwan became the first... Asian country to legalize gay marriage and you know I know section 377 which previously criminalized homosexuality here in India was recently um, shot um, shot down by the Supreme Court here in India. Do you think there will be a time Sabya and Deepika where you know you know gay couples can get married in the same with the same kind of celebration and the same kind of you know unity and you know union of two families as, as straight couples?
5: I don't think we should be even waiting for the time. Yeah. The time is now, and I think the government should recognize that because, you know, uh, not letting people come together uh, legally, I think, is a violation of human rights. Deepika?
4: No, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it feels strange to me that we even have to have this, you know, to be asked that question and, and the fact that we need, even need to address it. Um... um so we shouldn't even allow ourselves to be in this place you know where somebody else uh, dictates how you want to spend or who you want to spend the rest of your life with
6: yeah it's this interesting thing right now i see with india where you know even with both of your careers right so you're both huge stars here um making a splash abroad you know trying to build global careers but you're kind of straddling two different contexts and cultures as well, right? So, you know, Sabia, you and I first met, I think, 12 or 13 years ago, and you were in New York trying to, you know, set up a, a fashion business that would be targeted to the West. Deepika, you, you and I recently bumped into each other uh, in New York, and you were there on the, in, on the red carpet at the Met Gala. And, you know, I, I'm curious to learn how you guys think about straddling these two parts of your careers where you're, where you have this huge established presence here and you're, you're also dabbling in international careers as well.
5: You want to go first? Okay. So I went to New York uh, when I was a rookie and I, I miserably failed. I had a business, but it was not a business that was large enough to sustain or uh, keep up with the ambitions that I had. And I just realized that, you know, I needed to come back to India, become a stronger voice, and then probably I would take the journey much later. And at that point of time, I was reading a book. And it was very inspirational because, you know, they, they used uh, there was a very famous Bengali poet, Madhusudan Datta, who actually used uh, uh, fancied himself as being a poet who wrote poetry in English till somebody very close to him said that you are not going to ever be successful unless you learn to write poetry in your mother language. And he wrote this most amazing poem, which has pr- probably become a literature icon in Bengal. So I came back and I started thinking about the fact that, you know, if I needed to do something uh, in India, I needed to do something which had an Indian voice, which was about Indian crafts and culture. And at that point of time, Susie Menkes came in as a godmother and a mentor. I remember meeting her in London and she's saying, why would you even chase the Western market when you have the biggest market is right at your doorstep? And I I just put my blinkers on and I focused on building a, building a business in India, and I said that when I go back next time uh, internationally, I will go back when I've done in enough body of work in India for them to take me seriously so that I could go back at my own terms and do things that I exactly wanted to do. And,
6: and now you are doing that, right? So what are your international ambitions, Sabya?
5: Well, uh, the first thing that I want to do is I want to create a global beauty brand out of India because, you see, uh, uh, I think you know there are certain things that uh, there are certain things that India rightfully owns. The tradition of beauty is very strong, so I want to create a global beauty brand out of India. I want to have Sapisachi fragrances selling at every single important counter. At uh, Stage two would be to take the jewelry and stage three would be you know like I'm a gypsy at heart. So I'll probably do a s- season free clothing you know, almost on the lines of something that you would get in flea markets all over the world and do a very small line of edited vintage clothing with an Indian soul that would sell in some of the important stores that I think I should be selling at. Okay.
6: And you, Deepika, so when you, you know, you're, you're spending a lot more time abroad now, you know, and you, know, you had this U.S. Vogue cover and, you know, you're, you're at the, on the red carpet in Cannes and you're doing the Met Gala, but, like, what are you trying to do internationally and how does that you know, sit alongside this, this career you have here?
4: I think that, um, I think it's really about embracing who you are and where you come from and making that sort of visible um, and making that visible globally versus trying to set foot in in a in a in a land or in a in a culture that you don't really understand um, and had that you know had we had this conversation maybe 10 years ago that would have probably been the case and I think everyone needed to physically move with bag and baggage if you actually wanted to break into another territory um, you know or, or become part of another sort of industry you needed to move with bag and baggage today you don't need to do that because the world's just, I mean become smaller but also become bigger in, in so many ways and it's really about embracing you know, everything that I've done here and everything that I stand for and, and hence the Vogue cover. Um, they talk about global influencers and that's exactly you know, what I'm on the journey to sort of uh, do or accomplish or um, sort of leave behind. Um, I've never been someone who can sort of you know, cut the cord and, and move um, I was very clear that, you know, if I do get married, I will get married to someone from India. Um, I, I always knew that, you know, while I can work, and it's not just about America; it's about working outside of India. Yeah. Um, that, sure, it, it it requires a lot of travel, um, but I would never move uh, out of out of where I come from and where I belong.
6: Do, do you, when you both travel abroad, do you feel like? There's a growing understanding of India, or is it still this kind of, kind of mystical place with you know spirituality and you? Know, how has it changed the understanding of people in the West or in other parts of Asia and 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 beyond? Like, what do you think the world understands about India now?
4: Somewhere, maybe the you know the Netflixes of the world or the the Amazons of the world are probably responsible for doing that, but today. Three years ago, when I went to one of these sort of, uh, you know, uh, parties, someone actually said, oh, you speak English really well, or, you know, which part of India do you come from, or where is India, or like, you know, I had people ask me these really bizarre questions about where India is located on the map, or the fact that we speak a certain way, um, versus two months ago, when you take a meeting, they know exactly where India is, uh, the, the work, or let's, they probably don't know the details of it, right? But they at least know th- the number of movies that we're making or the fact that we're one of the largest, you know, filmmaking industries in the world um, or the fact that today India really matters, whether it's fashion, whether it's film, whether it's uh, business. Um,
6: technology. Technology, yeah.
4: you know. So you, I think the bottom line is today, whatever profession you are in or whichever part of the world you are in, I- India cannot be ignored,
5: uh, so I'll speak from a fashion perspective. For the longest time, India was the backyard of uh, manufacturing for global brands. But right now the tables have turned and India, after China, is becoming the strongest emerging consumer market. And I think, I think internationally, big brands, uh, f- investors, finances, uh, everybody, they're grappling with a new reality of how the tables have turned and how something that was the backyard of manufacturing has become the front end front end of the consumer market, and I I think people look at India with a you know earlier when I used to go to uh, go uh, go outside the country, invariably the first question that used to be asked to me was the fact that how do you speak such good English?
6: Yeah, same as Deepika. Same. Yeah,
5: they'd yeah. always ask that. That was a uh, that you know that you know, there was this exotic wonderment about the country. And now, right now, India is not regarded as one of those things. You know, like India has become finally mainstream. Earlier, Indian fashion, uh, you know, Indian influences were considered to be seasonal or exotic at best. But right now, people realize that it's a mainstream economy. And, you know, like, uh, I was given a presentation once called Asia First, where they say that you know uh, uh, by 20 2030 or 2040 china followed by india are going to be the two largest markets in the world and and you know the real business is here because if you if you look at you know i was you, you know what people uh, you know we were talking about the wedding market the wedding market alone in india right now is actually at 50 billion dollars which is the second largest compared to america and the most interesting thing part about the wedding market is the average age of a bride in india is 21, and the average groom age, groom's age is 23. And for most people, their first consumption of luxury, whether it's their first piece of heavy jewelry, it's their first branded handbag, it's their first, uh, you know, I've seen many girls who won mascara for the first time on their wedding. So the journey of luxury actually starts with the wedding market. And, and today, India has become such a force to reckon with, both in terms of consumption and manufacturing, that I, I think that it'll be only stupid of the world to ignore it. Mm.
6: I mean, Deepika mentioned all of the progress we've seen in technology and business and, you know, in in entertainment and visibility. I wonder how you feel um, the re-election of Prime Minister Modi is going to impact the future economic progress of India alongside social progress. So we touched on LGBT rights earlier in weddings. I see a dichotomy here. I see an economy that's advancing and a country that's advancing from an economic standpoint at, you know, you know the fastest pace in the world, you know, it outstrips China. But then I see that alongside growing social conservatism. How do, you, how do you reconcile those two things?
5: You know, Imran, I would just like to say one thing here is the fact that, you know, if I were to choose between both, I would first choose economic growth. Because economic growth actually leads to empowerment in many levels, and then people can start making social changes on their own. We cannot forget about the fact that this is the largest democracy in the world. And once people get more and more powerful, I think any sort of regression will be dealt with by the people at large.
6: Um, I want to conclude by talking about something that's really important, and you know we have a lot of young people who read BOF and who listen to our podcast and who'll be watching this online, and they look up to people like you because you've both found success. Um, I, I was exchanging messages with Deepika last night on, on WhatsApp about this concept, Japanese concept of ikigai, um, and I'm not sure if everyone here knows what ikigai is, but it, it roughly translate in, translates into this idea of a reason for being, which is made up of four key parts: which is, what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. And when I look at two people in this country who've really achieved that kind of success, who found that that mythical ikigai, you know, I think it. Arguably, you both have. But I think what a lot of what a, a lot of people don't recognize is even for very, very, very successful people. It doesn't come easy. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit of advice. I mean, Dipika, you, you mentioned earlier that until the age of 16, you played professional badminton, and I think I think your father was a big badminton star, right? So so many of us go on these journeys where we end up following the dreams of our parents, yes. you know. And we get, how is it that you, you know, started in badminton and then t- you know had the courage and you know tenacity? To carve your own
4: path. Wow. Um, I think to begin with, at no point do I ever remember my parents imposing their dreams on us. Okay. It was always about go to school, do the best that you can do, uh, take part in every sort of extracurricular activity that there was to offer. Um, you know, then we'd come back. Um, I've done. Uh, jazz, ballet, whatever classes, Bharatnatyam, uh, just things that, that were outside of sort of sitting in a classroom, and, and including sport. And my parents, uh, you know, sort of exposed us to that, and they allowed us to sort of figure our way or figure out what we want to do with our lives on our own. Why did I play badminton? Because it, it sort of was treated like another extracurricular activity. You come back from school... Um, you know, Papa's on the court, so why don't y'all go there and just play around for a bit? And even before I realized, um, I was playing professional badminton, but there was absolutely no pressure from anybody or expectation from me to do that. Sure. Um, while on that journey, I, you know, I was exposed to like the Miss Indias or you know, television or um, the f- literally the very few movies that we would watch in a year because we didn't we didn't grow up watching too many films and i'd watch these movies or watch these heroines on screen and always f- it felt familiar it felt like i was going to be there doing that one day um so it's it's kind of it's weird it's it's not like i you know it's not not to say that i didn't work hard but somewhere i felt i feel like this was destined to happen um and i was always very clear as a child about what i wanted to do um and who I wanted to be and you know, sort of all of that. It's a different thing that when I joined the industry, I did lose my way for a, for a bit. I felt like I didn't know enough and uh, you know, certainly made mistakes with my film choices. Um, and then I think those sort of mistakes led me to where I am today and I think it, it really taught me a lot. How, so
6: you know, how do you get through those hard moments? Because I think you know, there's been a wider conversation thankfully, in the world around mental health. Yeah. And you've spoken quite openly in the past about periods of your life that were really challenging. You know, how, how do you get through that?
4: I think, uh, to, uh, A, to be extremely patient. I feel like you know, in certain ways, we're, we're, as a world, we're progressing. But in a lot of ways, we're also becoming less patient as people. And we want instant. Everything has to be now. Everything has to be instant. And I think... Um, you know, on the road to recovery at least um acceptance, um, patience and um hope you know, and you have to have people around you that you trust, your family and friends, most importantly, who support you through this you know through this journey mm-hmm. and i think having having experienced depression, it really makes you understand. Uh, truly, and i'm not not in a way to sort of romanticize it, but you you really value life. Mm. I was driving you know coming here on the sea link, and i you know put my phones away and everything and I was just looking out at the sea and 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 the sun. It was beautiful. How often do we do that? Yeah. How often do we look up yeah we've we've stopped looking up we're yeah. always looking down yeah. um just simple things like that. I just feel like um you know you start valuing you know, certain things that you probably just take for granted, otherwise.
5: Sabia? So, I mean, we've spoken about this before, but Dipika and me have something in common. We've both suffer, suffered and overcome serious depression. I went through a period of depression when I was very young, for seven and a half years, I had to leave school. I tried committing suicide. You know, my parents found me at the nick of time. And I think what it did was it, it taught me many things. It first taught me the importance of introspection. And, you know, as sensitive and creative people, the most important thing that you battle all your life is this uh, fine line between art and commerce. And, you know, as, as, I, as you grow your brand, I think for everybody, like, uh, there are many creative people in this room, I think the biggest frustration is, you know, we always think that commerce is a bad word, but I would say no, because I think that to be able to balance art and commerce and to cre- create a path where you can keep your idealism alive, is the way forward and uh, you know i like you know i i know my influence in the indian wedding market and i know like you know if if my if my brand is worth x times like my copy market is probably 10000 times more than that and just by being able to do a prêt line i could have cashed in on the weddings i could have created a prêt line I could have done a collaboration with one of those big giants or with Amazon and started something like a flash sale and made a lot of money in the short term. But you know, Imran, I've said no to investors. I, you know, I've annoyed people within my factory because I've said no to disorganic growth for the longest time because I think that when you build a brand and if you want to build, you know, I want to build a brand out of India that can last like what Chanel did, you know, I'll I'll give you a very small story that, you know, uh, Nandana Sen, Amartya Sen's daughter, you know, I did some clothes for her. So as a gift, she gave me a 1921's edition of Vogue. And I was flipping through that magazine and I started crying at the end of the magazine because on the 140th or 150th page, there was a small little ad that said that we are open for business in Bond Street and it was Tiffany. And every single advertiser in that anniversary issue, I didn't even know what their names were. I did not even know these brands existed. And I told myself that this is not going to happen to my brand. My brand has to live far beyond my lifetime. I want to create a brand that India can be very proud of. You know, one of my big ideals is Ratan Tata. I want to be able to create something like him. I want to chase value more than money. And so for that, for 20 years of my life, I put my head down and I believe today we are going to build a 100-store building, but in, in 20 years, I've just created the foundation of the building. Now it's time to rise.
6: Okay. Wow. Sabya Sachi, Deepika, thank you for inspiring us, for sharing your stories, for being vulnerable, uh, and for being here with me today. So thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in BOF Professional, our global membership community from the business of fashion. BOF Professional members receive unlimited access to all of our articles, daily members-only analysis, the BOF Professional iPhone app, biannual print issues, and all of our online education courses as part of your membership. For a limited time only, we are offering BOF podcast listeners an exclusive discount on an annual BOF Professional membership. To get 25% off of your first year, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special invitation code PODCAST2019 at the checkout. We hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to tell your
5: friends.